Eventually, I, I now I've replaced the oven before Pesach, but it was several years without it. It was kind of annoying. Okay, I want to finish up Baruch Shem. This is kind of where I can wrap up. I have a few loose ends. Oh, that's okay. We finished that one, didn't we? Did we not get to the end of that one? Let's see. I have a few of them, so. First of all, if you want a spare anyway, you're welcome to have it. I'll just take a look at it. I think everyone should have several of these so that at any time you can reach out and grab it and remember what life is about. No, no, we did. We finished this one. Okay. Yeah, we did. But you're welcome to keep the spare. I have two upstairs. Okay. Like I said, you know, if tattooing were not forbidden, I would have this tattooed on my arm or something. So I could be sure to have it with me in case I needed it. All right. No, I don't have a source sheet for today, but we can share. We can look on together. So this is an interesting I could also just listen piece from. I know you like to look in. We could look in together. This is a Rashba. Also, thanks to Rabbi Haber for pointing it out. He provided a translation too, which is handy dandy. But all right. So he says, "Kvar." Oh, this looks like it's actually kind of cut off. So we'll see how we manage. Rashi script. It's in Rashi's script, but it's also cut off. There's like a letter cut off on every line. So we may have oh. to switch to the English side just because we may have trouble making out what it was. Okay. Is this, if I had gone and looked it up originally, then I wouldn't be missing half the words. So apparently he was asked, So I don't know who he's writing to, but somebody said to him, can you tell me what's the main thing with Kriyashma? So I think it's already interesting. I mean, maybe the person asked, what are the secret kavanos of Kriyashma? But he didn't answer that way. He just said, you asked about Kriyashma. And like already, it must be something very deep and secret. You know, it's kind of like... Everyone who has any knowledge should realize that this is a very unique and special part of the Torah that includes the unification and the whole the whole concept of our emuna. And it includes in truth the hints to the the secrets, secrets here, sodos, Kabbalistic sodos are Yisodos. Yisodos means foundations. So it means they're secret in the sense that foundations are under the ground. Mm-hmm. You don't see them. You don't see them. But should, and, and if you're the person who lives in the house, the relevance to you is that there are foundations that are correct. Mm-hmm. You don't need to see them. You don't need to know what they look like. You don't even need to really think about them at all. Unless it's a problem. They're there. Right. As long <laughs> as they were laid properly. So that's why it would be, and it would be better, right? You're saying, like, your oven broke, your husband's mm-hmm. going to fix it. Mm-hmm. If there was a problem with the foundation, unless he really knows about building foundations, and right, with the oven, so, like, you know, but you got to know to unplug it when you work on it. Right. Because you could get hurt. Turn off the power. When it comes to a foundation, you have to actually know what you're doing. It's not enough to have some rule of thumb, like, as long as you unplug it, you can work on it because what's the worst thing that happens? Let's say it gets ruined. That would be really annoying. But you could cook on the stove. Mm-hmm. That's it's annoying, but like right. you could. 
you could be a little worse off than you were before because before you had one oven at least working and now you would have zero ovens right, working. But like, God we had a crock pot. And there's a neighbor across yeah. the street and you can cook with a neighbor. But <clears throat> if someone fiddles with the foundation, it's not just like, oh, you could be a little worse off. Right. The whole thing could come crashing down. Okay, so with Sodos of Torah, you don't need to go there. But if for some reason you're going to, you really have to know what you're doing. Don't mess with it. You don't have to go there at all. It's not like some things where like, well, you better learn how to take care of it on your own, you know. Remember that car, the Yugo? It came out with a Yugo when I was a teenager. From Yugoslavia. From Yugoslavia, which no longer exists either. Neither, I'm not sure the Yugo car exists either. And they had so much. They, they, they were like constantly the, breaking down, it's even like the new. Fiat. <laughs> it was worse because I don't know, did Fiat's break down? I guess they do. They're Makes known it for again, that. Tony. Yeah. So the, <laughs> the Yugo, they, couldn't, they wouldn't support it, and people were complaining that they weren't properly built. And their response was astonishment. Like, if you don't know how to take care of your own car, why do you have one? Like, that was the attitude was obviously you have to be able to fix your own car. And Americans are like, what are you talking about? You know, but when it comes to foundations, you don't have to. Not everybody's not signing that they can do all their own car repairs. Not everyone could do all their own car repairs. Yeah. Or Charlie right. But when it, comes to the, when it comes to the foundations, we assume most people can't. And that's fine. They're kept underground for a reason, to keep you from messing with them. Mm-hmm. Don't mess with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you should know that Kriyashma does, in fact, have hints to the Sotos and the Karim Gedolim, to the secret foundations, the hidden foundations, and the Ikarim Gedolim. So technically, that would mean like the main issues, mm-hmm. the main principles. Mm-hmm. But Ikarim also means roots. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's something that's under the ground, yeah. but it feeds everything above it. Everything that you see at the surface. Right, and Ikar is, well, an olive is a farmer. That's, a, that's an olive and a cough, yeah. But the, the foundational principles, right. ikarim are principles because everything really flows from the principles. Right. Maybe you had to study, discover the principle by working backward from the things that came out of the toladot of the principle, but really they all flowed from the principle, the same way the tree all flows from the roots. Okay. Shehem, I think that's yisodos, those things that are hinted to in Shema are the foundations that the entire building structure that we call the house of Israel, that whole house is, Nachon is like established and set upon those pillars. So he says, I don't, uh, <laughs> I'm going to switch to this side here just because, okay. He didn't. He didn't put it all in there. He says, I have no business trying to think about the meaning of the deeper hints in Torah. This is the Rashpa. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I will tell you some of the ideas that are in my heart when we say Bishasakriya at the time of saying Shema. So now I'm going to switch over to here. Okay. So what I'm going to share with you, he says, this is not the deep secrets of Torah. You should know that it really is. And I wish you would stop asking me to explain Kriyashma to you because how could I explain such a thing? It touches on things that are too sensitive to, you know, we're not trying to do heart surgery or brain surgery as medical students. Like, leave it. However, there are things that I can share with you. 
one is obligated to give up his life. Actually, I really want the Hebrew side. I wonder, do you want, do you mind if I take one minute and just see if it's on Sepharia? Because I would really like all the words and I had not realized that it was cut off. And I, I like seeing it the way he did because the translation is not a direct translation. So let's just see if we could. If we can so Sepharia is a website? Sepharia is a cool website oh. that has not all. It has a lot of, a lot of original sources online. And let's see if we can find it. Now I also in Dafka have a text library where you can find almost all the text. Really? Uh-huh. I heard that Dafka oh, came yeah. back. I got an email that they're back. I guess somebody bought them after they went belly up. Shabbos and Shabbos. Hey! It's probably the book, though. Shabbos Sarashba. There we go. Chayla K. Number 55. Wouldn't that be cool if this worked? Yeah! Here it is. Awesome. Okay, that was not Safari. Cookie stars. Give credit where credit is due since I have a recorder. Okay. O Sha'alta, Levar Lucha Inyan Parshas Kriyashma. Kvara Marti, Shein Lanu Esek Banes Taros, Uva Emes Yesh Lachol Baldea, Ladas, Kihi Parsha, Miuchades, Kolelas Hayyhud Vahaimuna, Shihi Behemeth, Romezet Sodot Vikarim Dolim. Sorry, I'm switching. It's read faster that way. Shehemi Sodot Kola Binyana Shabet Israel Machona Lehem, the Omnam. And in truth, we have permission to think about the simpler meaning of the words, because like all of the Torah also has hints to things that are very deep and secret, and we don't have to go there. But if the Torah teaches us something, then we're supposed to learn something from it. Reverse has a statement like that somewhere in Embracious, uh, where he responds to the Ramban, where the Ramban says this is not something for us. And Rav Hirsch says, surely if the Torah wrote it, we should be learning something from this. Not just not learning it at all. So therefore, let's see what we are able to learn from it without going where we shouldn't go. That's kind of what the Rashba is saying over here. So here's what I say. These are the things that come into my heart from the pshat meaning of the words and the ideas. This is what I think you're supposed to have in mind when you say Kriyashma. We are all obligated to read the Parsha of Kriyashma. 
לא לכוונה קריאה בלבד, כקוראים אחס מפרשה שבתורה לצייס ידי חובה הקריאה בלבד. It's not just that you're meant to read it, because you have an obligation to say the words and read it. רק לכוון דעתנו לדעס. It's that in the process of reading it, we're supposed to direct our thoughts to the knowledge שהוא אחד יסלה ושהוא אלוקינו. That Hashem is one, elevated, our God. He's our Lord. V'sha'anu chayavim limsor nafshenu that we are obligated. And he's saying like, and you're like, okay, that's what it says. He's saying, no, no, we have to actually be thinking about that. It's not just that we rattle off the words. It's that we're meant to think of the simple meaning of the words. That we are chayav, we're obligated, limsor nafshenu to hand over our lives and our desires, and all of our efforts, to Hashem. Which, you know, when Rav Hirsch says it, and he makes it so, I don't like to say poetic, because it's, it's stepping it down from what, the power of what it is. But the power of Rav Hirsch's words is to take that idea and make it something that you realize how powerful that is. What a exciting and obligating commitment it is. That I'm, I am intended to, to be dedicating my life, my desires, all my effort to God. Reverse just shows you how glorious and awesome that is mm. and how big it is. And that we should become complete and have an absolute like agreement. We come to this absolute conclusion and decision. Not just with the movement of our lips. Like this should become something where when I say Shema, when I read Shema, <laughs> that those words become a decision in me. Mm-hmm. Becomes a decision and a choice within me. Which sums up everything we've learned about Shema and the intellect and free will. Mm-hmm. And it's all of it. God save us, may God protect us from being in the category of those about whom it is said, he serves me with his mouth, with his lips, but his heart is far from me. Like this is the place where it shows. We have to accept this upon ourselves, that we have to choose it. Not as people who are stressed out and worried about it, like, oh no, I have to be Mikal, I have to do all these things. Like somebody might determine in his heart when he's afraid of the one who's over him. Like, oh, they're going to catch me, right? God's going to catch me if I don't, so I have to do it. We had an interesting talk about something to do with this over Shavuos. And he can't escape his control because, like, it's God, so he's the supervisor you can't get away from. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you could, you'd try and get away, but you can't get away from doing his mitzvos. No. I'm supposed to to accept, to think about this and determine it and decide upon it as one who loves, the mm-hmm. one who has a desire. Chashuk 
yearning lahasig ritzon adonav asher ahivo, yearning to satisfy the his master whom he loves. I want to do for you, Hashem. What can I do that would make you happy, so to speak? And now I got a hint as to what I could do. And this is where I'm coming from. This is what drives me. You're flattered, you're honored. Anything that we can do for God is a privilege. We are privileged to serve His will. We furthermore need to think that faith in God, trust in God, and the yichud of his name, the unification of his name, which we achieve by really unifying our actions in alignment with God's will, is mitzvah That's a paraphrase from a verse. It means habituated, right? Mitzvahs that a person does by habit. That which you've learned and kind of practiced it. Yeah, you got used to it. will bring him to believe it. Like, you know, you well, yeah, you grew up going to Jewish day school. So, like, as a non-thinking person, obviously, you just happen to think that way. And if you'd grown up in a Catholic school, then you'd think something different. Yeah, but I think okay. also the message is it needs to be top of mind. It needs to be yeah. something that we're constantly rejuvenating and it's interesting though that he he did he translated mitzvahs hanashim melumada a little differently from how they always say it in school melumada right. we say like you learned it so it's habituated to you right. he's using it here but he's saying that it was trained into you mm-hmm. he's saying it's our our trust in God is not meant to be something that was trained into us I mean it's not that you should train it into somebody but that's not where the mature right, it, it adult should be coming from shalohunach al hakiras daito v'chachmosu yichuyav behefech because that would suggest that the person never really delved into it carefully. Right. And if he would have, he might think differently. As is true of other religions. Mm-hmm. You have religions, and if anyone stops and thinks about it, it's, they go like, oh my gosh, this makes no sense. And that's in fact what happens. We all know gay women mm-hmm. things who were very sincere about religion. The only thing is, one the more they thought about it and the more they learned about it, the more they realized right. things didn't and make sense. We read all these articles in Mishpacha and Ami magazine of <laughs> people who were of different religions and somehow, somewhere, you know, Kaddish Baruch Hu set it in motion that they should discover Yiddishkeit. Yeah. And once they discover it, you know, the Koach of the Torah just takes over yeah. and they say, you know, this is true. People who is, are seeking yeah. truth right. wander until they find Torah mm-hmm. and then they stay. Mm-hmm. Really I, I for sure I know people like this yeah. okay um, we need to hear so he's saying Shema Yisrael who have been clergy people in other religions yes no I have a friend like this in Israel yeah. <laughs> she was a minister oh Judy Gray no uh, not a um, what is her name Ahuva Gray not her I don't know her oh, oh. I read her book though. very yeah. interesting she's a good friend of Judy Michelle oh that's cute mm-hmm. We have to hear and listen, right? And we have to delve and dig after we've heard something. That real research would then obligate and like absolutely, completely... Like ironclad proof. Yeah, well, the word isn't proof over here. Tachria means like... um, 
insist like it, it oh, right. you Let couldn't know it's unavoidable the unavoidable result if you would right. search for it you would find this that's why the Pasuk says listen Israel listening the first meaning of it is the ear hearing we talked about this a long time ago Ozen shomasa tashreni, okay, and ear hears. Vehu shala ladas arav. Venosata la avdechalev shomea. Vehu shala gam la kabola. Vehaimuna bo. Shma beni musaravicha. Ashre adam shomeali. Im shamotishmu komatsosai. Okay, so Shma Yisrael has three in Yanim. One is the listening of the ear. One is the hearing, like paying attention to what you just heard. And the third is obeying, meaning. When you say uh, is this example. Right. If you will listen to my mitzvahs. It doesn't mean if you go to shul and listen to them read the list of mitzvahs. It means you obey the mitzvahs. Right. And we use it the same way with kids. Why aren't you listening to me? It doesn't mean how come your ears aren't listening to me. It means how come you're still not doing the thing I told you to do. How come your head isn't listening I know, Yeah. Or, well, it could mean that or it could mean how come your actions don't demonstrate mm-hmm. that your head listened to what your ears heard. Mm-hmm. That's why there's three steps. That's why he's saying sh- listening, the word hearing, mm-hmm. has three meanings. Each one cascading. I mean, you could just mean the ears receiving the sound, and maybe, let's say, all the way through to the eardrums, right? But that the sound was functioning. The, the second stage of Shmia is processing the information, so you really heard it properly. Yeah. And the third is, did you act based upon that? That would show that you heard. Yeah. Okay. Um... Let me just see how far we're going to go. So there are three things that we're commanded, to hear and to learn. If we were not to listen and to learn, we would not be able to understand properly what we need to understand. After we've heard and after we've learned and investigated it well, He's saying this is why The reason we're told so he started with, so it shouldn't be a habit. It's supposed to be something we actually are thinking about. Mm-hmm. But he's saying that's why it says Shema. The Torah is telling us that's what we need to do. Right, we then, need to think. And we need to that, learn. We, we need to delve Bahat, in. It tells us all the ways we're supposed to, to and dem- all the that it would we're come to out. Think about it and how it's supposed to really yeah. encompass our whole being our and whole, whole life, everything. But you understand this idea that Shema Yisrael mm-hmm. is telling us. We have, to, we have to do it because it's only by hearing it and then delving into it and really analyzing it that we come to a feeling that it's hechrech amiti, where it's, mm-hmm. it's absolutely un, uh, inescapable. Mm-hmm. It's unavoidable. Mm-hmm. To accept and to fully trust that Hashem, may he be blessed, exists. Mm-hmm. And he is supervising every detail of our lives. And if you never stop and you never think and you never look into it, then either you don't get it at all or it's lip service. Like you're just saying it because you grew up saying it, but it doesn't penetrate anywhere and it doesn't affect your behavior at all. 
So the way to get it, the Torah is telling us, like, get this inside of you. And we're not afraid of you asking questions and delving into it and thinking about it. We're afraid of you not doing it. Because it's the truth. Because it's the truth. The more you're going to find. And that's why we say, Elokeinu. Hashem Elokeinu. Shaltin. He's the the ruler, the controller. Elokus. God. Manhig. Leader. Dayan. Judge. Those who philosophize are confused, messed up. So philosophers often will say, at least I think you know, we're talking Rishonim, so it's still based on a lot on Aristotelian ideas that they're the world is sort of an and then accidental kind of result and of like, the world just kind of spin yeah, on like own. somehow it's a function of the fact that there's a God creator, but like he couldn't care less. Right. <clears throat> and they, Gozerin, like they decided that God is not paying attention to the details like, down yeah, below, even when it comes to individual uh, Minha and Oshi, the human species, human beings, that they say, um, you're okay. So that's why we say, no, he is supervising us. And he is leading us. It's not just that he sees what happens to us, but he's actually leading us, which is a whole different level. Not a star, not destiny, not some sort of ministering angel up on high. He himself. And he separated us for the sake of his name. We're here. We are separated in order to sing out his name. He took us as his portion. He is one. There isn't another. You should know it today. How do you know it? Because you learned it and you heard it. Which is the same in Shema. is telling us to do that. It's a different Pasuk. We, we lined it up actually. And I have this handout that I gave out. I right, which is I have this opposite Pasuk. of what well, we no, say, that you should do it and then you should. It's not a contradiction because here it doesn't talk about the doing. Right. The doing is affected by it. Here it's only talking about, right? Limud, Shmia, and Chakira. It's talking about it in the realm of intellect and the heart. And its effect downstream to the heart. Trusting and receiving. Chakira tavila das. The research, the investigation brings to knowledge. She'en od that there is none other than him. Adon b'shamayim yimal, master of the heavens above. Gal aretz mitachas, and the earth below. Ain od, there is none other. Okay. So after we know this, and we like we agree to it, meaning we wholeheartedly ourselves take ownership of that knowledge. It's our knowledge. Then in truth, then it really, it, it's appropriate. But he doesn't mean it's appropriate, like so behave appropriately. It means it's natural. It's fitting. It's right natural. Now. Yeah. It just fits. Right. It just 
That's the normal flow of things. It's natural that we will love God with all of our hearts, and all of our souls, and all of our effort, because everything's from Him. This is like a pasuk, he's paraphrasing a pasuk from from your hand comes everything, and from your hand we give to you. Which is really that, that reverse, right? On Baruch. Everything's from you, from your hand we're giving to you. Right? Yeah, asking your parents to give you money so you could buy them a present. Right. Like, exactly. <laughs> except it's more meaningful because when the kid does that, what's meaningful is that they wanted to give you the present. Right. The present itself has no meaning. Right. Yeah, over here, we're attributing a lot more meaning and importance to the gift. But ultimately, there's this feeling of incredible love because I realize I am loved. Mm-hmm. Because if Mishaloh HaKol, if everything I have comes from him, then I'm thought about, mm-hmm. and I'm cared about, and I'm paid attention to. That means I naturally want to love back. That's it. It's Ra'ui. It, it just almost happens. When a person, I once talked to Robert Orlok about this many, many, many years ago, and you know, he, it's not his own in, <laughs> advice. I mean, he gave it to me, but to write down what you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. Gratitude list. You just write it down. And there's something that happens inside. You have to give it enough time because the first few things you write down are just a beginning. And as you give yourself, if you give yourself a, a block of time where you have enough hours, so you won't just have to stop in the middle, which is hard to find. All of a sudden, you find there's new things that you're grateful for, and people that you're grateful for, and events in your life that you're grateful well, for. And that also maybe hadn't nuances that you're grateful for too, oh, because God. when you realize that you would open your eyes in the morning, so you have to be grateful for that. Right. Do you have another day of life? But but does it come to you like right? There's times in your life when you're able to realize it more, right. and maybe you've forgotten it. So when you when you write and you look back and you're like oh, I remember when I had that surgery and I was, you know, like nervous about it and then I opened my eyes and I was so glad to just be awake again, mm. right? Because yeah. in 12-step, we also are supposed to write a daily gratitude list. So this, what ha- the result is when you write this list, and especially if you give it the time so you can really think about, start to notice the things that you are so grateful for that you maybe hadn't realized, mm-hmm. is realizing somebody gave me all this and you and loves me. Mm-hmm. And when you feel loved, your heart loves in return. Okay. And it's from him anything, any, any supplies we have to use to give him anything we got from him. As David, the king of Israel, said, may he rest in peace. There's a pasuk. Just an awesome pasuk. Right? From you is everything, and from your hand we give to you. That's what it means. Love Hashem with all your hearts, both of your inclinations. That means all the parts of you, whichever way you're going. As Chazal said, your positive drive and your negative drive, which we talked about really back in Brachos, mm-hmm. in the Bracha of Hamavir Shena Me'enai. Yetzahara, hu hamefate la'adam lalachas achar chemdas halev. How do you, so he's going to say, how do you use your Yetzahara, 
which we say, oh, that's evil, right? No, the Yitzhahara is the force that convinces a person to follow his heart's desires. Mm-hmm. Okay. The problem with following your heart's desires is that your heart is all in the current moment. Right? You feel uplifted and you can't imagine ever feeling anything different. But a few days later, you might not feel that way or inspired or depressed. Whatever the feeling is, feelings come and go. But they feel permanent in the moment. So the this, I mean, advertising plays on it, right? It tries to show you that if you only had that car or that food or that clothes or that brand or that watch or whatever it is, you would feel happy or attractive or something like that, right? And that somehow that would be permanent. That's what the Yetzirah does. It convinces a person to follow the desire of the heart. When a person, how do you use your Yetzirah for Hashem? So one way is, if the Yetzirah is what drives you to follow your heart, if you have your heart craving closeness to God, then your Yetzirah will drive you toward that, which is a pretty amazing thought. It's not a Christian idea that whatever is associated with Yetzirah or devil or whatever is somehow always pulling you away from God. Right. It's not. Right, because it says if we didn't have a Yitzhahara, no man would ever marry or have children or, you know, they say okay. that. But it's not necessarily that. because of selfishness as selfishness. Right. It's purely driving after the desire. Because it's not the classic Yitzhahara, like you say, that yeah. we think about, like, wants us to do an Avera. Right. It's, it's an inclination, but if it's Makaven in the right direction... It's anything which is driving you to follow your emotional feeling of the right. moment right. is essentially what we'd call Yitzhahara. And I think what makes it Ra is in contrast to Tov is because that's, that has a selfishness. Mm-hmm. When you're going after what you desire, that has an inherent selfishness, but that we're supposed to direct that toward godliness, as opposed to Tov, which is non-selfish. So if we're enveloped in that selfishness, but yet it's used, it's elevated to it's a elevated purpose. Using, right, because we, we have created that choice. Right. So we always have that choice, and I think what the message that I get from that is that it's okay to go after your heart's desire, but you have to make sure that you're heading the right direction. Your heart's desire has to be the right desire. Right. <laughs> then, right. then you're all lined up. Right. right. And then that's whether a really you're being interesting driven by the point. heart or by the mind in the moment, right? That's that idea that the heart, the emotional state is the motor and the mm-hmm. brain is the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. If the motor's not running, you're not getting anywhere. Right. Okay? Rav, Rabbi Schwab talks about Yitzhahara as a self-destructive inclination. Mm-hmm. It's that which would push a person to do something that could, that, that's harmful to themselves. So it doesn't make sense. And yet, the person is nonetheless craving it. That's how he describes it. He has interesting pieces on Yitzhahara and Yitzhah Tov mm-hmm. in general, and that the Yitzhah Tov can be as powerful a drive as Yitzhahara, which mm-hmm. is not how most of us experience it. Mm-mm. Okay. We always feel that the Yitzhah Tov is always in opposition and battle to the Yitzhahara because we feel that the Yitzhahara is so strong. I don't think we have a concept that the Yitzhah Tov is strong. Right. We don't. 
We right. feel like there's this push. It's like we're fighting our Yitzhahara. Exactly. We don't feel like our Yitzhahara somehow has to fight the Yitzhah Tov. Right. So he talks about that, actually, and with regard to the, specifically with control of food, that that seems to be, in a, and he, there's many other places I've now come across it, that is the secret to allowing the Yitzhah Tov. That somehow it, overdoing it on the food is what mutes down the Yitzhah Tov. And that when that's out of the way, the Yitzhatov can blossom. It's like totally 12 step. That's where they get it from. Could be. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the history. Well, because yeah. they say when you're not into the flour and sugar and unlimited quantities and, and eating with abandon, but you have a, a Seder and you have a Mizgarat, that it takes away that obsession and compulsion yeah. and allows you to have... So Rav Schwab says it's not only open. with regard to food, meaning control, limiting yourself with food in some way, allows your to tov all over mm-hmm. to become exactly. strong. Exactly. You should Not hear only some, about the food, but in general. But you should hear some of the testimonials if you ever That's have awesome. a chance to listen to any of the 12 That's steps. so interesting. So they're having a big business convention at the beginning of June in Massachusetts, but that where people, you know, talk about tests. I mean, there's people who've lost over 200 pounds. And, I mean, my sponsor, personally, she's lost over 220 wow. pounds. And you should hear people talk about their lives and, and how, and like for me, so I don't feel that strong, like spiritual awakening that I hear people talk about because when I came into the program, I already had a strong I was going to say you're pretty spiritually awakened. Right. So, but for people who had no belief in what they call a higher power, you just hear their testimonials about how their lives have changed and how having that belief and writing their gratitude list and being in the moment and their quiet time, which is really davening. And um, there's just so many parallels. And Rabbi Torsky also talks about. Yeah, know, I know he writes about twelve step. Yeah. So it's it, but it, but it's totally based on Torah. I mean, how could it not be? Because the transformations in people's lives. It's you just really look amazing. At them and we say, you know, they're. They're Nahrim, so they don't really get the connection, but they do get the connection to a higher power. God would like them to be. <laughs> I was right. like, he created them to right. be on board. Exactly, exactly. So Okay, that's amazing. So I'm going to try and check to, that out. To control a taiva or a yetzer is definitely a lifelong challenge, and when we give it over, as they say, give it over to God, um, as you understand him, so then it it's a whole different experience than just going on a diet and being on a food plan and trying to, you know, fight the inclination. So interesting. It's, it's really fascinating. It's really interesting. Yeah. I'll send you the, the link I would like that to I see found. that. I would really like to see that. Yeah. Okay. And then this rabbi, Dr. Fish, who writes, uh, I'll send you that link also, because he really writes about 12-step in Torah and how there's this strong connection and because people are saying, like, if I do 12-step, it seems very cultish, and it seems mm-hmm. like it's it's all very religion-based. Mm-hmm. And he says, yeah, it's based on Torah. You know, they're just not calling it Torah, but they're, you know, and the things they talk about and overcoming compulsion. It would be a wholesome aspect, though. Exactly. Exactly. So. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So I'll just we'll close this off here. That... Um, that's uh, We see with Avram Avinu that he desired to have a son right. so much. And he Even was given he was a child, old, right, right in, when he was old. And he was the, the most elevated human being. And all he desired was to do chesed. And 
all a person whose whole drive was chesed and love could become cruel for love of his creator. Uh-huh. Meaning that that drive was turned toward love of God to the point where everything else became secondary. He could even kill his son for the sake of God because the passion and the love for God was so great. He could set aside the love of his child. Saying it's not the problem. Where his love for this child was so great. It's not that he didn't love Yitzchak. He yearned for him for all those years and he loved him so much. And he desired for his power of his love was so great that it, it silenced all other desires. That's called one who loves, an ohave, a lover. Zera Avraham Ohavai. Hashem says, Jewish people were the children of Ahava, Avraham who loves me. Because your nefesh, there's two aspects of nefesh. One is it's the, the physical side of the soul, meaning that which animates the body. Mm-hmm. It's the soul, but it's not the... It's the part that makes you be alive. But also, it includes the emotions. So it's also the the hard times and the tsar and all of that. Even if he takes your life, right, in doing the mitzvahs. Right, they said, why why are you being taken out to be stoned by the Romans? Because I gave a brismila to my child. Why are you being taken out to be burned? I mean, this is the voice of of the world to the Jews for thousands of years. Why are you being burned at the stake? Because I shook a lulav. Right. This is the midah of Yitzchak Avinu, and the first one was Avram, Yitzchak Avinu, he stretched his neck out for the knife. Because he thought that that's what God wanted. If that's what God wants, that's what it is. Think nothing of all of your wealth. If that's what's necessary, to keep Hashem's avoda, as Yaakov Avinu His father Yitzchak was very rich. Yaakov sat in a tent to learn, and then he went and learned in Shimon Eber for all those years. He said, "He's the one who said, whatever you give me, Hashem, I'll make sure to tithe back to you." That's interesting. I didn't know that. Okay, I'm gonna stop here because it got late. But this Beautiful. this the went a little over on the a rashba, little, but little light uh, light morning uh, ah. uh, a light reorganization of my mind to get back in back in place. Very fitting step out from um, from Shavuos. And were you at Rabbi Goldberg's Thursday share? Mm-hmm. So that was just amazing, right? That piece about how the mitzvahs that we do build such powerful forces in the spiritual world where we can't see them, and in particular chesed as the force that creates geula, and that if we only knew that, what would be so different? You know, how, how different our, our mitzvahs would be, our Kabbalah's mitzvahs would be. Well, also when he mentioned about the only thing, not the only thing, but one of the main things that Lord did is he just noticed her. Yeah. You know, if, if you think about that. But the power of that. 
the power yeah. of that is, is the chesed. I mean, right. That brought ultimate redemption. That's the house of David right. comes from noticing this poor woman. We had a situation on the internet, so I was like really exhausted. Um, it was it was Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoon after everybody stayed up learning all night, and so um, there's a, a fellow who kind of like just drops in on us unannounced, and so we've always been very gracious, always had him, you know, whatever, never said anything. But this particular time, I was really, really exhausted. And so he came and he knocked on the door and my daughter let him in and he came in and he said, he said, um, oh, you know, like I'm here, kind of like whatever. And I wasn't serving anything and I wasn't anything and I was really exhausted. I'm going to sleep. So um, he said, where is everybody? He said, well, my daughter stayed up all night, my husband stayed up all night, they're sleeping. He goes, oh, he goes, why are you having guests today? I said, no, we're not, I'm sorry. And um, he's like, oh, okay, you know, kind of like, and in retrospect, when I thought about it, I, like I had all the justifications for why I was right because really, number one, you don't walk into somebody's house unannounced. Number two, you don't just assume that you're, you know, welcome in somebody's house. But then on the other hand, I thought to myself, well, yeah, but, you know, it was Shavuot. Maybe I should have offered him something to eat or drink. But I knew he just come from Shul, and they had tons and tons of food there. So probably like, wasn't hungry. Like, he probably wasn't even hungry. And it just, it was, wow. like, it was like an annoyance because, you know, and then they said, well, Hashem, it's a dilemma that, that I've, I've had him many, 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 many times, even when he didn't behave appropriately at our table or he said things that were offensive to our guests and things like that. So... It's like the power of your mind is, is crazy. And so in the end, I said, I told Charlie what happened. He goes, no. He said, I think you did the right thing. He said, I think that that was the right thing for our family. And Also, if you're...